As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us in this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I get the distinct pleasure of interviewing a dear friend, Elaine Cease, president of Beyond Being Executive and Leadership Coaching. Elaine, you serve on the board of Women Helping Women. You're on the board of St. Vincent de Paul. Thank you so much for all of your leadership and your impact in this community. Sure. Thanks for inviting me to be here with you. Absolutely. So, Elaine, over the years, we have engaged in the topic of leader cast is where I think we may originally met years ago and all around the having the mutual passion of investing in people, connecting people, loving people, building into people. Can you share with me a little bit about your focus of helping leaders reach higher levels of success? Oh, yeah. It's a long story, Mike. I don't know if we have time for all of it now, but (laughs) well, just to say I Maybe a little background, mm-hmm. right? I worked for GM for 15 years in a number of different states and different responsibilities in sales, marketing, merchandising, et cetera. I managed our websites, AC Delco and GMGoodrench.com before websites were cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have a home computer at the time. so But went from there to a medical device company. And back in 06, I was driving to work, listening to Jip Collins, Good to Great. So an old timer from an author standpoint, right? And heard him say, do what you're best at, passionate about, and what you can be economically rewarded for. And I had a 50-minute one-way drive, and I thought to myself, I'm going to quit and start my own business and see if I can do what you've just mentioned is really make a bigger difference for people in a leadership standpoint, beyond being, right? How do they grow as a leader? How do they get to their next level of success, et cetera? So that's, you know, what I'm focused on every day. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I know we've talked a lot about over the years, the dynamics around a strengths-based approach, Mm -hmm. but having knowledge of weaknesses and being able to lead in a place of strength are there particular focus points or practice or approach that you bring to help people understand and identify their best? Best self, yeah. The Army's already taken the phrase, right, be all that you can be. I guess that's the Army. But, yeah, certainly, you know, what kind of undergirds my entire approach, whether it's coaching, whether it's team development, working with executives, is something called appreciative inquiry. Most people haven't heard of it, but it's a positive strengths-based approach to change. Started at a time when positive psychology was coming up. The question was being asked, why do we have millions of words to describe what's wrong with us, but only a few to describe what's right with us? So I'm invested in being certified in that approach, but it's less about the approach. It's more about how it can contribute and activate change in action for leaders. And so maybe an example of that would be exactly what you all do, right? Is if an organization is having a hard time keeping or attracting talent, well, what Appreciative Inquiry does is we ask a different question. Instead of saying what's wrong with us and what's not working, we ask, well, what do you want? And how can we focus on 
achieving what you want. So in that example, you might say, well, our goal is to be a magnetic well, you've got talent magnets in, mm-hmm. in your very name, right? Mm-hmm. So this is what we want. So then you focus on how do we attract talent? How do we keep talent? Instead of saying what the normal approach is, what's wrong mm-hmm. and how do we fix it? Mm-hmm. And so the research shows that when we get employees in a room, when we invite them to contribute in ways to solutions, people are more inspired by that, not surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Also, they're more creative, so they can get more to their prefrontal cortex, if you will. Mm -hmm. So the thinking and the connection points, the empathy, all of those other things can help create a bigger solution. The secret is that they also help solve the problem they identified in the first place. And with appreciative inquiry, are you working Mm -hmm. with teams to help live that out in their workplace or working Mm -hmm. with individuals to see it within themselves Mm -hmm. or a little bit of both? (laughs) Yes, right. So like I said, it really undergirds everything that I do. So if it's simply a coaching engagement, then it comes from a place of identifying strengths of the individual, identifying values. So what's the discussion around values? Because values drive beliefs and then that drives behaviors. Mm -hmm. So It's always important for folks to have some sense of that. And a lot of times they're so busy that they don't pause for this thinking about, well, what's best about me? How can I do more of it? What are my values? How do they drive my behaviors, my decisions, my choices, et cetera? So starting there. And if we don't do that, then we kind of plunge in, not kind of tapping into some of the things that are going to create the most impactful changes for people, Mm. you know, help inform choices. Wow. And Elaine, I know you coach executives and to our listeners that are tuning in from all over the world, you coach and engage with executives from all over the world. Yeah. And they come from different cultural backgrounds and different frames of thought. And what do you find some of the critical areas of getting an executive unstuck and getting an executive to focus on unlocking their potential Mm -hmm. in themselves. What are some of the themes that you see show up in your coaching engagements and what can we share with those listening? Because they might be there too. I might be there too. Right. (laughs) So great question. So I like to say that my approach is organic inside a structure, right? Because every single person is different. They have different experiences. They're in different places at different times. They might be on their way up and they're asking me to help them get there. They might already be there and they're wanting to explore, you know, what could help them be a better leader. So this idea of maybe helping to push them outside of their comfort zone. As a matter of fact, a VP client told me one time, he said, Elaine, what I think you do is you push people outside of their comfort zone, but not so far outside that they can't reach it. Mm -hmm. And we know that that's where growth happens Mm -hmm. when we kind of move beyond being, right? That's the, the, the name. And so to your question, what I see a lot of time is the patterns that we have developed, patterns that people have developed. Those are not necessarily at top of mind or even known for people. They're patterns, blind spots. Everybody has developed different patterns. And so sometimes those patterns work really well and you can amplify those. Sometimes they don't work very well. So some of that work is really to identify what opportunities people have. My job is to ask really good questions Mm -hmm. to help individuals think internally, you know, process 
answers to those questions so that they can have epiphanies really in some times Mm -hmm. so that they can think about whether they want to change behavior or make different decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, Big topics are conflict management. Doesn't matter if it's, I found the gender, doesn't matter male, female, doesn't matter if it's a CEO or somebody leading from the middle. Some people are attracted to conflict. I would say 99.9% of people I meet with are, are not. And so then we all have developed language and beliefs around how to manage conflict. And a lot of times it's just not working. Mm -hmm. So then you say, well, how are you communicating, right? We've got a certain way we've developed to communicate. And oftentimes people can shift that in a way that feels very authentic to them, but is also producing much better results. Mm -hmm. So the whole fight or flight mentality, I think, shows up a lot in conflict management, Right. right? And it can get into our psyche so much that we become immediately disengaged. Mm -hmm. We become immediately or actively disengaged in some cases Mm -hmm. when we're dealing with conflict. And it's, I believe that we're supposed to lean into conflict and have just really authentic, real conversations, both from a biblical perspective, as well as the five dysfunctions of a team perspective, right? right? That we're supposed to be our best selves. And most of the time when people hurt someone Mm -hmm. or there's conflict, yeah. That's not their intent. It's how our emotional self responds to that conflict because of our conditioning. Do you believe that? Do yes. you see that? Yeah, I absolutely believe that, right? You always come to any engagement thinking that the individual has the best intention, but sometimes it gets caught up, right? I don't know how to say this. I don't say it, period. I avoid it. And I've got something that I share with my clients. It's not brain surgery. We're talking about the brain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's the 24-hour rule, right? Just putting that perspective of when something that happens, an event occurs that seems uncomfortable is to try to address it within 24 hours. Now, obviously, there's some situations when you need to let things settle a little bit. You need to process through things some. You need to practice what you want to say and test it. But most times, I find that people let things linger. And what happens when they let things linger? Well, I'll wait till she gets back from vacation to talk with her. Or maybe I'll catch them next week at the water cooler. Well, we need to be more intentional about that. And when people do that, first of all, they lift a lot of energy so they can use that energy for something else. I talk a lot about that, right? How are you using your energy and how you're redirecting it? So if we can free up that energy for action and other things, then you know, they can recognize and realize the benefit of that. The other thing you're talking about, Mike, is the neuroscience. How does the brain work, right? So I talk a lot about that with clients. So you're talking about the fight, flight, or freeze. So that's called an amygdala hijack in the neuroscience world. And a lot of people haven't heard of that. Actually, it doesn't matter as much, but amygdala is the Greek word for almonds, that we have two of them in our brain. And I kind of joke that I'm glad they renamed it amygdala because talking about an almond hijack just doesn't seem as uh, (laughs) important. But the interesting thing is when we're in hijack mode, we actually don't have access to our prefrontal cortex. Mm. And our prefrontal cortex is where empathy lays, 
where decision-making resides, where creativity resides, where connection points reside. So it's really where your executive function is. And I've actually, I have a slide that I use in presentations or talks where I show that part of the brain no longer attached to the brain because Mm -hmm. when we're having that hijack, we don't have access to it. So the trick is for people to think about strategies to use, think about triggers that might get them to hijack mode. And because if they know what their triggers are, and if they have strategies in place to manage those, then they can improve relationships, they can improve outcomes. And uh, I see that all the time. I had a client who (laughs) said to me, I think not literally, but figuratively, is that learning that alone and then talking through it with uh, work opportunities and situations, he said, it saved his life. But like I said, I don't think that was, he meant it. In actual he fact. very well might have, though. I mean, I see we've done a lot of work in the whole emotional health space for mm-hmm. executives. And, you know, when you're stuck with something in your past and you're not thinking about your reactions in a proactive way and you're letting life happen to you, it can yes. really get your life stuck. Well, you're absolutely right. I talk about a phrase from Viktor Frankl, between stimulus and response is choice. And that is so powerful for so many people. First of all, it gives people control. And we know that from a positive psychology standpoint, social support and control are two things that make us more effective Mm -hmm. and successful. And so when I can help people introduce more control into their work lives as leaders, because there's a lot of complexity, generally they can be more effective. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're also happier. This particular individual that I'm mentioning told me after 30 days that he was leaving work without a headache anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, stress had really been relieved. He's improved relationships with colleagues. He is no longer set off by certain things that had set him off previously. Mm. He's helping colleagues more. The team he's working with is more cohesive, et cetera. So it's just a real value to the organization. Absolutely. And And you helped him, what we would say, you helped him become more of a talent magnet, right? And helped him reframe the way he's thinking about relationships, work, community, and life. And my guess is life is happier, not just work is happier and those around him in the workplace, but life is better. You mentioned relationships are better because of this. Yeah, maybe we've talked about this in the past, Mike, but the impact of the coaching investment never sits with the person that I'm coaching, right? I call it the multiplier effect. So there's the book by the name, but the point of it is that the work that I'm doing with people, the work that they're engaging in, is much farther reaching than this just themselves. And it's kind of funny when I started 12 years ago, I didn't realize that coaching clients might not think to share what they were learning. And so now I'm being much more clear (laughs) to say, hey, this is, you know, spread the wealth. What you're learning and what you're finding that works for you could also work for others. And so Uh, A lot of times if they have a manager, if they're not at the top, they're influencing up more often. Um, I had a situation where a coaching engagement 
With the influencing up, the supervisor then asked for coaching because he's now seeing some things that he could be doing better as a new supervisor. And this individual also then had the impact for his team. He's got new team members as well. So he's kind of squeezed in between a new supervisor and new team members. But when I was coaching him, he had taken his first vacation in a while. So the pressure decreased and encouraging balance with his employees. But really more than that, it's the employees started performing better because there was safety. There was a different type of dialogue between them. The individual I'm just thinking about at this time also was braver, if you will, to say, well, are these processes that we have internally, are they working as best as they can for our people? And he started shifting some of those processes about how feedback is given, you know, what it means for the individuals and how he was inviting them to contribute rather than something as simple as sending out an agenda and saying, here's what we're going to talk about is inviting his team to create the agenda, which mm. has worked, you know, much better, mm. as you can imagine. Right? Absolutely. What questions am I asking people? Yeah. And part of it, it sounds like you were empowering him personally, whatever this individual or, you know, and there's many people that are in this space that are like that. Right. There's something that they're wrestling with or self-awareness and self-knowledge and helping them understand their strengths and your blind spots and the right. areas that you struggle and then kind of freeing him of that. Of Yeah. And the, the beauty of how coaching should work, right, is that I'm not doing the work. I'm facilitating the action. And so my clients own the work and the action, but it is. It can be very freeing for people to think about different approaches, especially if you're at the top because you've got such huge impact on the organization. And so the way you approach things, the way, you know, model the way, right? So how are they doing that? And if they can tweak what's working, if they can improve what's working, it just has more impact. And then obviously if they can gain awareness to what might not be working, whether it's through a 360 feedback or simply a listening session with their coach who is hearing different things from them and can ask questions about reframing. Reframing's huge. You know, for example, if we're telling our people to on the golf course to stay out of the rough on the left side. Well, wouldn't it be more effective, especially with how our brains work, to say, hit the ball over to the right? Because then what my brain hears is what it's supposed to be doing and what we're not supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So throw in some double negatives there, mm -hmm. right? But if we say I played softball for four years in college and my softball coach used to yell to the other team, which was probably not a good idea, <laughs> but he would say, don't drop it. Well, our brain doesn't hear the don't. So what does the outfielder hear? Mm -hmm. Drop it. It's the same thing at work. If we're more focused on telling our folks what they shouldn't be doing instead of what they should or inviting them to the table for a discussion about what would work best, mm -hmm. we can get better results. Yeah, that's wonderful. Each and every day when we release these episodes and the work that we're doing with the Talent Magnet Institute is helping people think about the proactive things I can do and change and adjust and tweak and behaviors I can come with and be equipped with 
to help them further develop, further engage, further retain great people. And these are tremendous insights, not just on those that we employ, but even for ourselves and those that we're around in the community and those in our family. You can bring the same, you know, I'm thinking, boy, I could bring some, and hopefully I am, but I will do even better based on this discussion today, bringing this into my home and with my children and with the boards that we serve on and the committees that we're on, just bringing out the best of all people. Yeah. You know, Mike, I really so much appreciate what you're saying. And you mentioned this earlier, right? I've had coaching clients crying with me um, because of the impact that it had on their conversations with their family, you know, where their relationship with their spouse has improved and their kids are noticing. And now they're communicating differently to their kids. (laughs) A conversation with a high schooler who had a last minute project due and the question the client asked, and I loved so much that he shared this with me, and this was years ago, but I'll never forget it because it was so meaningful for him that he changed the question or the response to his daughter versus what he might have asked before coaching and really thought, how can I be kind to her? And, you know, we can think about, well, what response did he get from his daughter, right? It was an amazing response. She was able to do what she needed. And in the telling of this to me, he was just kind of overcome with emotion. And honestly, so was I, because he said, I didn't realize how meaningful this was for me. And so while obviously the focus is not on that work outside of work, if you will, but it's part of that yeah. extension. Yeah, of, we uh, are the extension. I mean, yes. we are the work. We are the human that's carrying personal and professional around at all times. Oh, yeah. Well, we're not different people. I mean, we're not right. somebody at work and we're not a different person at home. And sometimes I'll hear that from clients as well as work is work and home is home. And my question around that usually is, well, how's it helping you connect with people? Because if we're not connecting with people at work, then we're not able to get the work done in the way that it could be. We're not freeing up creativity. We're not freeing up, you know, the other things that come along with that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the other thing that you mentioned, Mike, is this idea, without saying the phrase, is collective intelligence or what I like to call the wisdom of the system. So you're talking about your organization and the approach that you're taking with people. And this is part of what I hear you're doing and what I, you know, what I'm doing with clients is how are we building capacity? How are we tapping into the experiences and knowledge of our own employees? And a lot of times we just don't do that. We might just do a SWOT or an OGSM, which are great approaches. But another approach is this appreciative approach where we really invite and actively search from our clients, from our employees, what they know and what they can bring to the organization. And when that happens is people step up as leaders in the organization. They're connected more. I'm working with an organization outside of Ohio on employee engagement and did a strategic session with them. And I always do a recap after asking people what their insights are, one or two words. And first of all, the first response was from somebody and he said, I'm amazed at the diversity in the room 
right? So that's important. It's diversity of responsibilities, diversity of age, all of the diverse things. But he's talking more about, I can't believe in this large company, how many different people and responsibilities are in our room. Mm. And then he said, the other thing is how common our vision is for what we can build here to make this a great place to work. So Mm. that was great to hear. The second person said that this was surprisingly not negative and, you know, it's kind of funny for people, but they didn't have a sense potentially for the opportunities in the room. And I did ask her for a reframe. Is that similar to this was surprisingly positive? And she gave me a head nod. (laughs) The last comment in that I just wanted to share with you because it supports the approach that we're talking about. And one gentleman, second to last comment, as I remember, he said, these outcomes will work because they are our ideas. Hmm. And that says everything, right? How do you engage people? How do you invite them to contribute? Hmm. And the people who are interested, the right people will come together generally. And then you can really create something amazing for an organization. Yeah, Yeah, I can almost visualize myself being in that room and the amount of empowerment that must have come from a session like that for the individuals to push forward, right? To yeah. push off the new dock and to be ready to sail and and the encouragement that comes from just reframing the way we're viewing every day and running to something great versus trying to get out of something that might be negative. And, yeah. and it's our responsibility to change that, right? Exactly. In the, in the workplace that we're in right now, we have control of how we make others feel, the way we respond, the way we react, and the way we lead. And this is a big part of helping rethink. And I love the, you know, hopefully the concept of appreciative inquiry will stick with all of us from this episode. That How can I just reframe that comment to be more positive and to point people towards the green and not to the rough on the far left? Yeah. Well, and the inquiry part is, you know, incredibly important part of that, right? Because if I'm telling my people what to do, and that's what we're used to, that's how our culture works, that's how we're often trained, is we have the answer, and we're telling. If people can shift that, and that's a huge part of the coaching, if people are open to it, to reframing for the questions. Mm-hmm. And what questions that I ask can help my people actually think about what needs to be done that can help them think about what strengths they see in others mm-hmm. when maybe something's not going well. So that can shift, you know, stop and shift somebody's way of seeing something. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. inviting perspectives, but it's really about the questions. And I always ask folks to not stop after the first question because the first question usually gets a surface answer, just like if we write a paragraph versus writing three pages. Mm -hmm. The second question starts to get to the true answer. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not asking my employees a question from, you know, an engagement years ago, everybody has fears. Again, going back to it doesn't matter, male female, CEO, or leader in the middle. But those questions also help us get beyond our fears. So I had a client who said, well, won't my employees think I'm weak if I'm asking questions? My question back was, what else might they think, right? That you value me, that you know that I have an opportunity to contribute here, Mm -hmm. that you're empowering me. So 
sometimes questions can feel a little scary, and that sounds simple and maybe surprising. But in practice, when people ask questions of their employees and are willing to be courageous and have candor with their employees, amazing things happen. Mm. Elaine, thank you for all you're doing to help people succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, and more importantly, helping people even go beyond being (laughs) and living their greatest good each and every day. Yeah, thank you so much. I've enjoyed the time. Appreciate it. How people feel about their bosses makes the biggest contribution to their workplace happiness and productivity. And as a boss, you can level up your performance in just 30 minutes. Find out more at talentmagnetinstitute.com slash betterboss. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr., Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.